Hello, 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 and welcome back to the most unusual podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Woodley. We are now on our fifth episode, lads. I know, it's exciting stuff, and I actually can hardly believe it myself, you know. It may not seem like that much, but this time last year, I told myself I wasn't ever going to be able to do a podcast. Like, I didn't have the voice, and maybe that does still stand, but fuck it. I'm here now, and I'm not leaving. Um... (laughs) On that note, we shall dive right in on today's episode. So we're going to be discussing the Vipom experiment. Um, I hope I'm saying that right. It's a Swedish word or place. And throughout the 20th century, there was a lot of human experimentation going on. So like from the Nazis in Germany, like where they were experimenting on like twins and many other people to just the USA in general, because God knows what they were performing. Um, So it wasn't uncommon, you know, people felt like it was appropriate to do. Uh, But I do feel like the words human and experiment, like they just hit you differently, you know, Um, and they send shivers down your spine. I'm just thinking of like all those horror movies. I was gonna say Saw, but like that's, that's not really human experimentation. I guess it is because you're pitted against your friends and like would you cut your hand off to like save your life like really and truly I guess it's just kind of experimenting how far we would actually go when it comes to trying to get free so I guess it's a different time of experiment but this isn't this is actually human experimentation so the Vipom experiment was how many times have I said the word experiment the Vipom experiment was a series of human experiments ranging from children to adults where patients of the Vipom hospital for the mentally and intellectually disabled in Lund, Sweden um, were fed large amounts of sweets to provoke tooth decay in cavities so I don't know what you're expecting when I said human experimentation but like (laughs) I guess it's a little it's not as bad and I wanted to like kind of dip the toes in you know so it is still very shocking you know and people's teeth put up for scientific reasons so it went on between 1945 and to 1949 and it was sponsored by the sugar industry and the dentist community and honestly are we surprised no we're not you know um and it was an effort to determine whether carbohydrates affected the formation of cavities so around 1938 the national dental service in sweden couldn't figure out why cavities were so widespread so like they just didn't really know um, that much about teeth and if you go back to episode one you see that we do get into a lot of detail about teeth but more so on the denture side of things but ultimately when sugar came around like it was just madness like widespread people's teeth were rotten from the inside out and they just couldn't figure out why they did suspect it was diets that were rich in sugar and that were causing it but they actually had like no scientific proof at the time um but like toothlessness was so prevalent like that even in the u.s military you had to have six intact opposing teeth before you could actually be recruited and um, for world war one and world war two otherwise like they're like now nah, you can't come in so like imagine you had one fucker walk up with one tooth like um his gums would be like leather if he was trying to t- chew his uh food like like, there's no way he could survive (laughs) well he probably could but like it just i don't know it it wouldn't be very good he'd lose his teeth very quickly especially in world war one and world war two like the environment or like the whole what's the word um yeah the environment and stuff probably wasn't that safe when whenever it 
well war is never really safe is it and many clues had pointed to the role of sweets and like orphans in children's homes like that couldn't afford sweets and they actually had fewer cavities than the rest of the general population yeah it was wild like just to think that how dangerous sugar was and people just didn't realize the effect that it was having on them and like to think to how much that we know now about it and like i myself have a terrible sweet tooth and the sweet stuff the stuff that they put in now would probably rot you from the inside out like you know those little pinballs down my 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 arms pinballs my god like your teeth would be vibrating after you ate them but yeah then in 1945 (laughs) to get back to it uh then in 1945 the medical board commissioned a study so the vipone hospital was chosen um, to be the site of the largest experiment ever run in humans on humans not in humans in Sweden at the time so it when you put it that way like it just sounds so daunting doesn't it like the largest experiment ever run on humans like I never want to really hear something like that today probably is shit like that going on as well so during the first two years of the experiment they were given like little starch and half the average consumption of a sugar in a typical Swede- Swedish diet um, like vitamin A's, C and D along with like fluoride tablets were given and no food was allowed in between meals and at the end of this period like 78% of the children had no new cavities so I guess that's a good sign but then the employees actually were involved but in 1947 they were no longer able to take part in the experiment as their intake couldn't be monitored because like obviously they'd go home and they could have little sweets and whatnot. so they needed to see everything and control everything. What began as government-sanctioned vitamin trials were converted in 1947 without the knowledge of the government. Maybe it's a lack of trust I have in our own government, um, but I find it hard to believe that they weren't aware, but I genuinely don't know, so I probably shouldn't say that. The researchers decided in consultation with the medical board to start to use sugar instead, to encourage to to decay. To decay, and um, using an extremely sweet and sticky diet. So, the kids had no like it was ranged from kids to adults. Like they had no idea what they were in for, um, and they were broken down into three key groups when it came to the experiment to understand more about how food affects the formations of a cavity on a tooth. So, like this is proper live experimentation. Um, so one group ate the original diet with an extra three hundred grams of sugar dissolved in solution during their meals. That's the equivalent of drinking about five 20 fluid ounce bottles of coke per day during meals which is fucking insane like i used to have like two cans of coke a day and like that shit is just not good you know when you can uh you ever see those videos where you put like one cent into uh, a can of coke and it like cleans the whole one cent like it's like brand new or something or people are cleaning coke with their toilet bowls i don't know if you've ever seen those they're mad anyway and then another group ate the basic diet with an extra 50 grams of sugar mixed into their bread that they ate during mealtime. Yeah, the third group, the last of the group, ate the basic diet. However, in between meals, this group actually ate snacks of sugary toffee and candy. So ultimately, the third group did end up being the worst group. They got hit the most. They were fed copious amounts of sweets, some of which weren't even available commercially, but specially formulated toffee to make it stick better to the teeth, which is even worse. Now, you know, 
quality treats the ones you get around christmas um and those have some sticky boys in them um like sticky toffee lads like first of all when they're like left out and they get really cold like you feel like your tooth is about to crack with them you spend more time trying to pull the toffee out of your teeth than actually enjoying it and then i think i'm pretty sure sometimes i've actually nearly gotten a locked jaw trying to trying to chew it you know when you're trying to pull your top and bottom teeth apart from toffee so like these kids are just constantly fed toffee like you you nearly get a headache from chewing um so i imagine like especially with their little baby teeth even it wouldn't it wasn't too good like even monster munch or meanies and stuff like they're crisp now but you'd be taking them out of your teeth more than you'd actually be swallowing so i just i can't even imagine what was going on you know so it resulted in many of them having like their teeth completely ruined every tooth was black basically and like three-year-olds had cavities in like 83 percent of their teeth but like thank god for baby teeth you know but it's still not fair you know like even if they didn't have baby teeth like their teeth were ruined they weren't even given a chance and like treatment was like next to non-existent so the rotten teeth were just completely pulled and overall the whole experience just wouldn't have been nice you know um like they would have been in a lot of pain like you know what a toothache is like it can you can't not notice a toothache it's like in your head um especially as well when you're eating a lot of sugars and stuff i imagine they were and like had a lot of tummy pains and stuff um and then in 1949 the trials like were revised again like now to test like a more normal carbohydrate rich diet but by then the teeth of about like 50 to 660 subjects were completely ruined um and nonetheless the researchers still felt that scientifically speaking the experiment was a huge success and i don't know if the people in these hospitals were like merely abandoned there as i couldn't actually find out any information on on them really or any any family members or anything that were complaining about it when i was thinking about the time it was like people with mental disabilities were seen as like an outcast or a subhuman by many making experimentation like more like literally morally acceptable to them as they were considered to have fewer rights which is like extremely sad you know they're completely taken advantage of and they had no idea what was going on and like by these massive big corporations um and they just had no say over it you know they had no the fact that they were even considered to have fewer rights is just awful and you can you can say that it was a time that we were in but still it's just it's no reason for that to go on you know the results of it were like it provided extensive knowledge about dental health and it resulted in enough empirical data to link the intake of sugar to to decay it did however jump start a national campaign to reduce the amount of sweets eaten by children so in sweden children are more likely to have sweets once a week um on saturday in particular apparently is a day so it started that which is i guess that's good to come from um and what dentists learned from the experiment is that the frequency of sugar consumption is more important than the amount of sugar consumed Um, so snacking several times a day is worse than eating all at once and i am a devil for snacking snacking all day all day every day you know but however it was at the cost of people and it violated the principles of medical ethics so at the end of the day 
a lot of people suffered for these results. Um, and then the confectionery industry actually donated huge sums of money and tons of chocolates and caramels to fund the experiments. Um, because experiments had shown a clear link between sugar intake and tooth decay, the industry was like not pleased with the results. So the researchers actually delayed the publication of it. And when the study was finally made public in 1953, a critical debate arose about why they have been held back for so long, but nothing really came of it, you know? The scientists though were accused having been bought by the industry. However, at the time there was not any like public debate about the ethics of the experiment themselves. So they were just accused of holding, withholding information and like not about the actual experiment. So, of course, like today, modern attitude, like in the dental profession, it's very different. Like that just wouldn't happen again. Crass, a retired professor who was a participant in the study, says that it was obvious for dentists to study it at the time because it was needed, in other words. Um, And looking from both sides, I can see why they would say that. But I guess that is easy for me to say as I didn't have anyone involved in such a thing. And if I did, I'd go mad, you know. Like, it's easier to look from the inside out, you know? And then, from the outside in, should I say. And then, it wasn't until the 1990s that studies actually started to appear about the ethical aspects. Um, And it was briefly discussed in the Swedish media around 1953. So, like, when the publication report actually came out. But again, as I said, nothing actually came from it. Finally, in 2000, the Swedish Ombudsman for the Disabled reported that the excesses of the experiment were just not justified by the results. So it's not necessary apology, it's just stating that it just wasn't justified. So obviously there was other ways that they could have done it. Um, and then a historian and doctoral student performed, her name's Ellen, well, yeah, it's not, it's spelled E-L-I-N. Um, she performed a thorough study of the whole Vibe Home experiment. And she was one of the first researchers to gain access to the original documents from the experiment period at Vibe Home. Um, and her research described how the scientists found themselves caught between the divergent goals of research and pa- like patient care, as well as being under immense pressure from both political and economic interests. So, obviously, there was a lot of politics behind it, and I would like to say they could have done it different, but animals is no better, and I don't know. I just I don't know. So the retired professor Crass he said. The reflection now is that the Vipom study illustrates two well-known sayings. One, the end sometimes justifies the means. And two, it is easy to be wise after the event. I'm pretty sure he just summed up what I was trying to say. Yeah, so I hope you all enjoyed that. It was quick and straight to the point, you know. A little sad. But yeah. And of course we can't forget the fact of the day, you know. Just to end on a little bit of a brighter note, it is about the word quarantine. Um, so I don't know if it's that much brighter, but like we've just been hearing, seeing that word for so long that I wanted to look it up. No, I didn't. Um, the word quarantine derives from the Venetian dialect of Italian. Uh, the words quarant- quaranta journey i don't know how to say that word but anyway it derives from a venetian dialect of italian and meaning 40 days so this is because when it was discovered that the ships were infested with plague carrying rats they were made sit at anchor outside venice's city walls venus's 
Venice's city walls for 40 days before coming ashore. So there you have it, folks. Quarantine and teeth. What more could you want, you know? As we said, this episode, this podcast seems to love teeth. And on that note, we shall end. And I look forward to chatting again soon. Mm-hmm.